Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Number three, Second Samuel chapter number three, amen. And I want to start reading in verse number 37. 2 Samuel 3, we'll start reading in verse number 37. If you all don't mind, Brother Zach, start my timer up there. My battery's low, so it's going to, that could be detrimental. Start it up there so I have some, some gauge of time. 2 Samuel, see, even heaven agrees. 2 Samuel 3 and verse number 37. The Bible says, for all the people... And all Israel understood that day that it was not of the king to slay Abner, the son of Ner. And the king said unto his servants, Know ye not that there is a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel? David says, And I am this day weak, though anointed king. These men, the sons of Zariah, be too hard for me. The Lord shall reward the doer of evil according to his wickedness. According to his wickedness. Amen. He said that the king was not going to slay Abner. Wasn't going to do it. Although there was a great man that had that had passed but David says I'm I'm weak this day though anointed king the Lord stirred up my mind back to this passage this afternoon of scripture and I've preached from this passage before and and I I feel like I need to just reiterate some things from these scriptures tonight just even from this morning of talking about not quitting and so on and so forth how we need to comfort the feeble-minded and just not just anyone in particular but us as a whole us as a whole i think it's important tonight to state this and i want to preach weak though anointed weak though anointed god hmm God, I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, here this evening that you're able to help us, God, in this congregation. You're able to help, Lord Jesus, your people. You're able to help those, oh, Lord, that have come together, Lord, on this Sunday evening. I pray, oh, Lord God, if you can, just stir the coals, Lord, in our lives. God, that underneath the ash there are some embers. God, I pray, oh Lord, today, God, that you would just touch our minds afresh and our hearts afresh here this evening. God, and will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you would nudge in our souls and in our spirits. But we'll give you the glory and the honor for it. The lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name tonight. 
got to understand the hierarchy, the hierarchy of society at this time and the structure of society at this time regarded the king as the most esteemed position, of course, in the land. The one that was looked up to and esteemed head and shoulders above all others. There was not another position, not another person with the acclaim of the title of kingship, nor with the entitlement of kingship. The king was revered by all the other subjects of his kingdom. Uh, no doubt with wide-eyed contemplation, they thought that the king had all the perks in his station in life because he's king. I mean, he could have anything he wanted at his table in just a few orders or requests, anything he wanted in the palace. They no doubt probably dreamed to a certain degree. You know how we are when we look at people of higher classes of society. Sometimes we can fall prey to the idea, you know what, there's probably just never anything that goes wrong in their life. And so they dreamed perhaps some fairy tale realities concerning the kingship and the king, thinking, you know what, sickness probably never visits the door of the king. Probably never comes nigh his dwelling. He, he probably doesn't have any idea. There's no taste or aftertaste of heartache that he has known because it's probably not slid past his door. Weakness, he, he's not a man that perhaps have even succumbed to any type of weakness. It doesn't even beckon because he is the king. He's one of the highest in all the land and among the palace. Amen. Furthermore, when we consider the king, he was one of the few people, uh, kings and prophets and priests and sons of priests that in their culture that had been anointed with that holy anointing oil of the Lord. The, the horn had been placed above each of those heads of prophets and kings and priests and it had touched their brow and it ran down their face even to as the Bible describes the skirts of their garments and so he is a man that has had the anointing placed upon his life and each one of them whether they be a king or whether they be a priest or whether they be a of prophet they are anointed with regard and with a purpose and with a destiny in mind for them and so they've been consecrated by that anointing they've been separated and sanctified by that anointing it's been designated upon their life for a prescribed function for a prescribed reason it distinguished a mark upon them that ordained them for a purpose and for a plan in their lifetime and in their age and so when we read concerning David being king we know that his original anointing happened back in his father's house the house of Jesse amen it predates this moment in 2 Samuel 3 by several, several years and no doubt David may have some very fond memories of that anointing. He might be able to relate to the time and the place that it happened being in his daddy's house. He, he may recall how he felt the oil flow from the top of his head and down his cheek and maybe the fragrance of the oil as it passed by his nose how how he remembered Samuel the prophet standing there with the horn above his head that picture will never be re re erased from his mind and how all of his brethren were there all of his other brothers were there in the room to witness this occasion to witness this anointing that's being placed upon his head he must have no doubt remembered the feeling that he felt because the Bible says when the anointing of the Lord came upon him that the spirit of the Lord came upon him him. And there's something that he 
felt and he experienced and the abiding presence of the Lord that would have been in that room and and so he's he's basking no doubt could just go down memory lane very quickly and remember everything he felt he smelt he remembered he experienced in that moment but the fact of the matter is and I alluded to it this morning David's anointing did not magically make him king didn't magically make him king. It wasn't like from anointing to palace room or anointing to throne room. But what it did was his anointing prepared him to be king. Amen. We need to never mistake the role or a position for the anointing or the anointing for them. But it needs to be viewed that the anointing that comes is nothing more but the preparation for the role. It's the preparation for the position. Aaron and his sons were anointed before they ever did any ministering in the tabernacle. Before they sacrificed any animal. Before that ever took place. Before they ever went before God for the purpose of the people. Before any of that happened, they were anointed. They were anointed and the anointing was for the purpose of their role. Their anointing was for the purpose of their function in the tabernacle. Amen. And so their anointing wasn't their function, but their anointing was for their function. Amen. If anything, their anointing was somewhat their unction. It was a means of preparation for them. And so for the priests, it was plainly recorded that they should anoint him to sanctify him, to set him apart for his role and for his function. But on the heels of David's preliminary anointing in his father's house, ensued a lot of problematic things in his life a lot of things that he would have to face leading up to and including a man his admission in this moment of 2nd Samuel 3 that he was weak though anointed there is something today that I think we all need to come to grips with in our life and in the life of the church that there is no place or position that you get to individually or as you get to as a church amen no title that will ever be described upon you or people saying man that is an awesome assembling there is no anointing for that matter and there is no nothing like that that will safeguard a child of God from a moment of weakness you don't reach a certain uh, uh, height as being a church you don't reach a certain place and have a certain number of people and a certain number of tithe payers or, or a certain size of building that you don't get to a place where you can have a moment of weakness it doesn't matter from the pastor down to the person that cleans the church we all succumb to moments of weakness the Apostle Paul understood it well. He's the Apostle Paul. He's writing two-thirds of the New Testament Scripture. But he acknowledges plainly, not if I am weak, but he said, when I am weak, then am I strong. And so if you're feeling like tonight you're scraping the bottom of the barrel or you're one of those that are battling with weakness and despair and discouragement, I come to arise on this Sunday night to tell you you're not alone and there's no place you'll ever get that you'll be safeguarded from that. But the fact of the matter is this, it does not preclude the fact that you are anointed. You've had the oil of God's power come upon your life. Someone say amen. 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 
And so there's no place, there's no position. Paul knew it quite well. David knew it quite well. The fact of the matter in this fragile life that we live, there are times that weakness visits all of us. It will visit the height of the palace. And it will visit, if you will, the home of the pauper. It does not matter. Amen. This status, whatever status we have, does not discourage weakness from visiting our door and coming to us. But the oil of anointing. Here's the fact. The oil can be dripping even from your garment. But that does not keep weakness from thinking twice about advancing and coming against you and trying you and intimidating you. Amen. The thing about weakness is this. In those moments, it never asks for permission. It never says, is today a good day that can I show up? When's the last time discouragement knocked on your door and said, would today be a good time? Can I schedule an appointment to come visit you? Can I come schedule an appointment whenever I can place doubts in your mind? Can I come and schedule? There's never a good time even for the church. You know, there's never a good time. Trouble doesn't say, hey, can we schedule an appointment? Can I schedule an appointment whenever I can get flooded in the back and then have problems with two air conditioners? Can, can I make No, 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 no. It will never, never do that. It betrays all lines of ethics. Always coming, showing up whenever it's not invited, when you least suspect it, when you really don't need it. It comes, it comes. It don't respect our office. It don't respect our seniority. It doesn't respect any person. It comes nonetheless. And so David in scripture has had a series of events that brought him to this climatic moment. He's been anointed in his father's house. He's just been recently anointed as king over the house of Judah. All right. We know also in scripture that a person has to anoint themselves as a daily provision. I want to just do a small little commercial real quick. In David's, in his father's house, he was anointed to be king by the prophet Samuel. But that did not go without there also being anointing. You can read it. That came from the people. That's interesting. Because not only was David anointed as Samuel, being standing in God's stead, anointed of God, they were anointed by the people. And the anointing for David's position was not complete until he had God's anointing and the anointing that came from the people. My, let, this is my side note, okay? My little side note is this. That's the reason why it's important whenever we have church. Come on, preacher! You know what's going on? There's an anointing that's taking place from the people. It's, that's a good sermon for another day. Not right now, I know. But that, there's an anointing that comes from the people. And so David has just got the anointing, amen, from his father's house. He's just been anointed by the house of Judah, amen. It came from the people. And his face, no doubt, is still stained, amen, with tears that he has shed over King Saul, amen. They have lost life, amen. His friend Jonathan that his soul was knit with has lost his life. He's mourning the loss of that. Now, in chapter 3, he is mourning the loss of Abner who's trying to make a league between him and Israel trying to close the gap between the house of Saul and the house of David amen although his allegiance Abner's allegiance had been to Saul he understands that I need to close this gap we need to make things right we need to close the gap between the house of Saul and the house of David and yet Joab who was David's captain 
was in disagreement with David's actions. He posed that Abner was out to deceive David and to learn the mechanics of David and his mean. And in reality, what was really at stake here was that Joab had a personal axe to grind because Abner had slayed his brother, Ashel, after trying to tell him, don't follow me. I'll just put my spear back and I'll take your life out. So he's feeding into the mind of David. Hey, Abner really wants to do you a disservice when what it really came down to be, Joab had a problem with Abner. That's good teaching series right there. Whenever you make your problem with somebody. Whenever you're rubbed with somebody, you try to make it everybody else's rub under a different label. Well, that's, 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 that's good teaching. Now, that's good teaching. And so, so he's trying to dissuade David from doing this because of what he had. Between him and Abner. And so Abner, Abner, though, is dead here in 2 Samuel 3. He's dead at the hands of Joab and Abishai in verse number 30. And this takes place against David's knowledge. David didn't know that Joab and Abishai were going to kill Abner. He didn't know they were going to take, so to speak, matters in their own hands. And so whenever David understands that Abner is dead, he has already suffered the loss of Saul. He has suffered the loss of Jonathan. There's been a lot of things come down the pike in his life. And so to say quite frankly, David is upset. David is bemoaning the fact that there is yet another loss. Not just that there's a loss, but there's a loss that's taken place, amen, from people in his kingdom that he did not approve of. He did not put his thumbprint of approval upon it. And so the people are somewhat confused because they thought he did approve of it. But when they understood differently, they just let David respond as he desired, as he wanted to. And so it was this action of Abner's life being taken. It was the proverbial straw, so to speak, that broke the camel's back for David. To hear that someone was taken, he did not approve of it, and the people thought he had approved of it, but in reality he didn't, and they only later found out, he's like, I've had enough. Not only that, he wanted everybody to understand the gravity of the situation. He says Abner was a prince. He was a prince. In other words, Abner was a great man. Abner was a good fellow. But he's dead. And as scripture commonly says, even of Jonathan and even of Saul, whenever a great man dies, his greatness expires also. The weapons of war perish with them, so to speak. And it's all because somebody had a personal vendetta. Joab. David, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on in David's life. Ever since his first anointing, he's dealt with hardship. Ever since his first anointing, he's dealt with trouble. If it didn't start with Goliath in the Valley of Elah, then it continued even beyond there with relentless attempts. Remember from this morning of Saul attempting to take his life. With him again bearing the guilt of 85 priests that were slain by Doeg in his mind upon his life that was associated with him. 
Amen. He's thinking of that hand that held that first horn of oil above his head and that anointed him. And now that great prophet who had done that for him and to him in his life is now also dead. He's thinking about the loss that he lost his lives, his wives rather, from trying to fight a man in a battle that was on the opposite side. Because whenever he lost his two wives at Ziklag, it was because he was fighting against Israel and not for Israel. He's thinking about all this snowball of effects that's come through and how he regained them through heavy pursuit. Thank God for that. And so he's thinking about all these things. And truly, the record of his life bears well in a statement in the New Testament Scripture when it says how we much, how we through much tribulation must enter into the kingdom of God. I wish it was a whistle here and then just stepping into glory, but it doesn't work like that, does it? I wish it was a receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost at the altar. A smile on my face, never a tear in my eye. Enough money in the bank account from there until I die or go into the rapture. But it's not, is it? I wish there weren't the times that my heart was, was wrenched with pain and sorrow and that my mind was not overburdened, amen, with what was happening or what already happened or what I was in the middle of. But the thing is, it doesn't work like that. And through the footnote of the scripture here in 2 Samuel 3, the footnote that David gives to us through all of this recent tragedy that his life had went through is this. He says, I am weak. I've come to a place and a juncture and a position in my life and I own it and I admit it. I am weak. Someone say amen. In other words, I've reached my tipping point. I've reached my tipping point. There's times it's been rough, but now it's almost to the place. Look what the Bible says. He said it was too hard. Too hard for me. Someone say amen. I've been anointed by the people. I've been anointed by Samuel. I'm not far from the anointing by Israel. It's in the near future. But neither of those anointings have protected me from this moment of weakness. He's overwhelmed. I know somebody can identify tonight. He's overwhelmed. As a matter of fact, at least I believe it's David. If you read the Psalms, there's about seven times that David uses that particular word in the Psalms of being overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Because he knew what life was like to get rubbed down back just to the matter he was made of. Almost like dust. He felt overwhelmed. And yet he was an anointed king of Israel. But that anointing did not inoculate him from the climax of all of these moments of now feeling very, very weak. Tonight, there may not be any among us, but it doesn't matter if we're a new convert or if we are a 50-year-old saint in the church. There'll never be enough oil applied to your life. There will never be a good enough service. I'm not trying to be discouraging to safeguard you from your breaking points. Of weakness in your walk with God. We've had some great services over the years, Brother Terry. But there's not one of them that inoculated you and Sister, uh, Sister Rhonda in the past few months from what you have went through. And what others in this congregation have faced. Reaching sometimes that point, if you would admit it to yourself or to me, it would be, it's been too much. Brother McGee. It's been too much, Pastor. I've reached the place when enough is 
enough. Whether you've been a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, a board member, a saint of 50 years, or a new convert, some of these elders could tell the stories. Amen. Titles didn't keep it out of their life. It did not make them impervious to the pressures and the repetitive assaults that came against them just living a life for God. The fact of the matter is we all find our place just like David found his. Sometimes we're weak, but we're still anointed. I learned in my life that sometimes in our travels, and I, I know I've made mention of this before, but sometimes in our travels, our responsibility was just to be an Aaron or a her, to uphold the hands of the man of God and his wife and the churches that we visited. They were pastors, yes, absolutely. Some of them of what I would deem to be very successful churches where they called absolutely the call of God came upon their life to that place, to that location, to that city, whatever it may have been, where they anointed, no doubt, some of them could just preach the socks off of the individual. And yes, they were anointed. But you know what they needed from time to time? They had moments of weakness, although they were anointed. Even Moses in the Old Testament Scripture He's on top of the mount of God. And the Bible says as long as he kept his hands up in the air, they would defeat the Amalekites. They would defeat those that were down in the valley. God chose him to be the deliverer. Hands down, that was the case. God chose that man on the backside of a desert, speaking to him from a burning bush that was being burned but not being consumed. God chose him to be the deliverer, and yet his hands are up there on the top of the mount. And when they're up, here they are. They're being victorious, but when they're down, they start to lose. How in the world, Moses, can your hands that were raised be cast down? Because Moses' arms just got weak. I know it's really, really profound, but his arms just got weak. He was overwhelmed by keeping them up in the air. Huh? Have you ever been in a time with your walk with God that was just sometimes hard to keep your hand up in the air? Overwhelmed? He held up his hands as long as he could hold up his hands by himself. Oh, someone say amen. He was weak, although he was still anointed, and he still had a purpose. He was to be the deliverer for the children of Israel. His assignment was sure. Amen. He had a prominent place of leadership for over a million people. But that did not exempt him, Sister Roxana. That did not exempt him from becoming weak, overwhelmed. I'm telling you tonight, there will never be a place that any of us can go that we'll rise to. Where we won't be threatened with periods or times of weakness. And the moment you think you found that place, take heed. When you think you stand, lest ye fall. There will always be times when you'll be weak though anointed. There will always be times when you'll be weak though a Sunday school teacher or a good saint. There will be times you'll be weak Though an elderly saint of years that's been faithful all your days weak, though you may be a new convert in Christ. Because there isn't a place or position of an anointing that will keep us from being weak. But there isn't a weakness. Please. There is not a weakness. There is not a storm. There is not a trouble. That can dismiss the fact that you've been anointed. So the anointing doesn't keep weakness from coming. 
But weakness will not dismiss the anointing that's been placed upon your life. David seeing another death. But that doesn't keep away the fact that the horn of oil was poured out on his head. David, you have something else going on in your kingdom that you've not been in agreement with and you disapproved of. And I know you're saying it's all too much, but that does not take away the fact that Judah stretched forth their hands and they have anointed you to be their king. So although, although the anointing won't keep the weakness from entering your life, neither will the weakness dismiss the anointing that came upon your life. Oh, what are you saying? I'm saying this. There is something that happened when I was eight years old. During my journey on this little life that I live, I have moments of weakness. I have moments of trouble. There's things that take place in my body I got to deal with for the rest of my life. But I tell you one thing. It might be still there the day I die, but it will not remove the anointing that God poured out upon me in that moment. It will not remove the oil that's been splashed upon my head and ran down to my feet. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. What are you saying tonight? I'm saying the church might have its highs and it might have its lows. And it doesn't matter where we get with God. We can mark the years when it was kicking high and say, boy, that was great. That was wonderful. But we might be in a slump 10 years from there. But that's okay. It doesn't remove the fact that back in the early 1940s, a man came to this area and said, I have a vision for a one God. Apostolic church would be the first to baptize people in Jesus' name in this area. It won't remove the fact that a man was called to a place and to a position and to a time for a purpose. It will not dismiss that. So assault David. Bring the trouble upon David. Even bring a death sentence upon his life. Attack everybody that is connected with him. Those that have loved him. Those that have appreciated him. Lay a finger even on his family. Cause his closest comrades to forsake him. <laughs> Set him in the dust as Job said in the dust. But when you do. When you do. Puddling around in that dust are going to be a coagulation of the oil that came from that man's life. Puddling alongside him at his feet. Because whether he's strong or whether he's weak, one thing is certain. He's still the anointed man of God. The anointed man of God. And you lay him in a tomb someday. And he's being laid in the tomb as Israel's anointed. And I'm telling everybody in this place. If you've ever had the presence and the power and the anointing of God placed on your life. You go by the rapture or by the grave. And either way that you leave. When you leave this place you're leaving anointed. You might have stacked up bills. You might have health that's been totally wrecked. But you're going to leave also anointed. You're going to. Oh, yes. Job said the old worms may come and see, take my flesh. He said, but I'm going to see God. You know what he said? It doesn't matter what happened to me in my life because there's one thing that did happen. I received the anointing of the Lord upon my life and that doesn't remove. 
nothing else can remove that moment. Someone say amen. A short time, a short time from David's admission of being weak came David's third anointing. This isn't a new experience. This isn't his first rodeo, so to speak. He's been anointed before. It's not the first time. But he doesn't shrug it off as though it has no importance either. Anointed in his father's house. Anointed as king of Judah. And now soon to be anointed king over Israel. David, you have been anointed. You are anointed. You're going to be anointed. In spite of everything. In spite of hardship and test and trial and being weak. It's not going to eclipse the moment that you have been. You're anointed none the less. And so we have people sitting here tonight. They're sick in body. But they're anointed. We have people here tonight. Struggling with thoughts of the mind. But the same place where the thoughts are running is where the anointing has touched. We have people here that have burdens so heavy that in a spiritual sense they're bowed over underneath the load of it all. But from their nose is dripping oil of yesteryear's anointing. They're no respecter of persons. They're no discriminator of our status. But they're not a detractor of our status either. The Bible says in Ezekiel 28 and verse number 14. Thou art speaking of the king of Tyre, I believe it is. It's both something that applies to the then and now and it also applies to Satan. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Has set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mount of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. You know what he said? He said, You were anointed. You remain anointed. This is for Lucifer. You were anointed. You'll remain anointed. Nothing in life can detract it from you. Except if iniquity is found in you. What's that mean? It says, whatever happens to you, can't remove it. It's what you allowed to take place in you. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, right, and you've heard me. I've went through this little thing several times, but Christ isn't Jesus' last name, all right? Like the Christ, we're so glad to have the Christ family with us. It wasn't his last name. It was, it was his title. It was his label. It meant the anointed. The anointed. But he was also what? The wounded. He was also the beaten. He was also the humiliated. He was also, according to Isaiah, the bruised and the rejected. He was the crucified in the New Testament scripture. He was the one that sat by the well that was weary with his journey. What? 
weak, though anointed. And whenever Joseph and Nicodemus laid that battered body, who Isaiah said he was beat so bad that his image was marred beyond recognition. That whenever they laid that battered body in a borrowed tomb, Isaiah describes again, his visage was so marred more so than any man. But when they laid him in that tomb, there was not a lesser anointing on that body or that life. At that moment, consider with me, Brother Bob Gross, at that moment, it was lifeless, but still anointed. He gave his body, he gave his breath, he gave his blood, he gave his life, but he was still anointed. And just to put the crown on it, before Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea put him in the ground, they're getting the spices, and Mary's already been by before, just to anoint him one last time. Batter him, break him, bruise him, take what you think life from him, and lay him in the tomb, but he's still anointed. What are you saying? I'm saying batter them, break them, steal from them, persecute them. But this is still an anointed church. This is still an anointed people. This is... (laughs) Because whenever Mary anointed him, he told the disciples the purpose of this. He told them it's preparation for what? She's doing this for a preparation. Not for my kingship. Not for my headship. Not for my superiority. Amen. But she's doing it for my burial. That was the purpose for it. For his burial. What are you saying then? He was anointed for his scourgings. Mary did this for his burial. But leading up to the burial was the scourging. He's saying, she did this for my scourgings. She did this for my beatings. She did this for the mockery that would come from others. She came this for, She did this for the lies that would come from the mouths of those that said they loved me. Primarily, she did this for my death. She did this for my burial. So all of that came upon Jesus in spite of being anointed. And they were completed on him. But they did not subtract from him. Oftentimes the New Testament sheds light on the Old Testament. The Old Testament, there's a lot of types and shadows. There's there's a lot of things that seem somewhat mysterious until you read the New Testament. And there's like the light that shined backwards. There's there's like understanding and enlightenment that comes on things that we read in the Old that come to fruition and understanding comes in the New. And whenever that is the case, on the surface, these men who were anointed for the offices of priest and king and prophet, they were all anointed for those offices. And so when we get to the New Testament, we see then Jesus giving real meaning to all of those rows and all of those functions. They were anointed, he said, for burial. Buried what? Buried under trial? Yes. Buried under difficulty? Yes. Better in times of weakness? Yes. But still anointed. See, we thought that good little anointed that came was just a little feel-good moment. I felt the Spirit of God come down. 
But when we look at it from New Testament back to the Old Testament, we realize this. We were anointed for our trials we would face in life. We were anointed for the sicknesses that we would endure. There's a purpose. We are anointed for the heartaches and the times that we have cried ourselves to sleep at night. We were anointed for that. Nothing else endures but the anointing does. We are anointed for those times of aloneness. We're anointed for that purpose. For that reason. It's no coincidence, and I'm closing here this evening. If you'll stand with me. It's no coincidence that as soon as, soon as the Philistines heard that David was anointed the third time, his father first by Judah and then by Israel. Judah and Israel at that time, those two, two nations of Israel at that time, divided kingdom. But finally, under David, they came back together. But whenever the Philistines heard that David was anointed for the third time, you know what they came? They came seeking David. Like a predator would come seeking its prey. They come after him. You know what I believe David was thinking in the back of his mind? I've just been anointed for the third time. And lo and behold, the adversary rears his head to come against me. I think maybe perhaps at this moment David has just reached a place in life. Philistines, how many times has he fought against them? I've never numbered it, but boy, it's been many. Oh, the times that he fought against the Philistines. Boys, come on. Come on and make your attempt. Do whatever you need to do or what you feel like you need to do. But I understand one thing through my life. that Whenever the dust of this whole matter settles, regardless of the outcome, whether death or life, he says, I'm going to end it being anointed. So whatever's staring you in the face tonight, whatever intimidating spirit by whatever label is staring you in the face tonight, that's seeking after you, that's playing the predator and you the prey. You just need to look into the face of the opposition and say, do whatever you got to do to me. Do whatever you feel like is necessary. But whenever the dust of all of this settles, I'm still an anointed child of God. Because you can take a lot of things from me. But you'll never take from me the anointing that God has placed upon me. Because I can tell you right now, folks, there have been times, and I'm turning 40 this year. There's been times... In the 40 past years of my life that I've found myself licking the wounds of maybe just of yesterday. <laughs> but as I do it, oh God, as I do it, Sister Deborah, I'm, I'm, I'm licking the wound of yesterday. As I do it, man, there's just a little oily taste with that. And it comes back to me. I know I'm lacerated right here, but I've also somewhere in the past 
God's oil placed upon my life. And you know what? What would they do? What was the, what was the common first aid kit culturally? Even of the Good Samaritan? Whenever the, he's found the one, it was oil and wine. You've been anointed for this moment. Before you needed the oil, he already gave you the oil. So that every wound that opens up in your life along the pathway, the oil's already there. Because you've been anointed by heaven. You've been anointed by God. Can we just close our eyes in this place tonight? Sir, ma'am, who are you this evening? Sir, ma'am, who are you this evening? What is it that you've been struggling with? What is it that you've been fighting with? What is it that you've been overwhelmed with to use the word of David? What is it that's been burdening you down? What is it that's been breaking perhaps the bend in your back? What is it today? Can you think back to a time when God's oil has been placed upon your life? Can you think back to a time when the oil of His presence has touched your life? Friend, it doesn't matter what happened. That will not ever be taken away except iniquity be found in you. And if that's not the case, then there's the oil of God's presence there. There might be trouble. There might be turmoil. Your life might be filled with fear and being fellow, feeling like you're overwhelmed. But I'm here to tell you today, it's okay to be weak. Just knowing that you're also anointed. Just knowing you're also anointed. You were anointed for this purpose. You can't make it if there is ever a call. Amen. Going on in this church today, there is a call to us as an assembly and individually. You can make it. You have been anointed. You have been poised and positioned. God put his hand upon you. God put the oil of his presence upon you. It won't keep you from being stripped at times. It won't keep you from being beat upon at times. But it won't dismiss what's happened to you in the past concerning the anointing of his presence. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.